0: The question had always baffled him. What are you? Who are you? He was Geoffrey Borskell. What more did people need to know? What more could they possibly want to know? The question niggled at him, pared him down to something quantifiable. He supposed that what people wanted was something judgeable. People didn't like mysteries, especially not mystery people. Sometimes he felt a little off, a little uncomfortable in his own skin, and he forced himself to ask that question again and again. He would pull that same expression the people pull while trying to discern him a look that fell somewhere between bewilderment and disgust. They seemed to have the feeling of observing a strange and unnatural hybrid creature. There is a strange intensity to that interaction that is ironic in so much as it is ephemeral. The time taken, waiting for the lights to change, offers a pause for thought, for judgement, but it disappears as soon as the signals change and the person clicks back into motion. Once perturbed by a foggy, unlit side road of meaning, they are reassured by the straight track towards sanity and normality. And then one day Geoffrey who took a long holiday, and so his life became even more indistinct. He had voluntarily vacated his job and responsibilities for a temporary period, carelessly jumped into the void cheering and yelping while simultaneously tied to a guide rope. He had set out on the venture both unwise and unbrave. He wondered how his co-workers would judge him and wondered why he cared. He was beginning to put more emphasis on what appeared to matter to other people than what actually mattered to him and had even started to question whether what mattered to him was as important as what mattered to other people. He was taking note of the distorted and undulating reflection of an ocean swell, as if it was as significant as his true reflection in the looking glass. He had started to wonder if he was simply being vain, if his self-reflections were not more childish self-indulgence than mature introspection, and found himself questioning why once again he could not reconcile his own state of being, his own equilibrium, with that of other people? Why did he always find such a disconnect with others? Why did their sly words and judgments not matter to him, when he derived a significant sense of self with what they thought of him? Not only could he not agree with others, he couldn't even agree with himself. After a couple of weeks of vacationing, he had already reached his aesthetic limits. He found that he could no longer derive a sense of satisfaction from lazily meandering through the streets and soaking up the atmosphere like a dilettante sponge. He had decided to call it quits, with his avenue of self-adventure, and to, without dignity or poise, ascend the rope back to reality and his job. Maybe he just needed a short break after all. Then the virus struck. Him. It knocked him down for two weeks such that he could not lift the finger necessary to text his boss and cut short his break. It battered him inside and out. It made the days dull and simultaneously gave him a startling fear of the world outside of his bed. It sucked the taste out of his food and his paintings. It borrowed his identity and then threw it into a skip fire, and when the virus passed, and he could retrieve the mask of his being, he found it warped and splintered. He found that he, in fact, had no singular being at all. It had smashed the illusion that all his insecurities and gripes and machinations had been struggling all his life to construct. He had climbed out of the void only to find the world the same, but he, a totally different man. Even if he had wanted to return to his job and his life, nobody would have recognised him. And besides, it was no longer his life to live.